Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Great form by you hitting play on this podcast. Now, check out Same Racer, the brand new racing app for Same Race multi-tips. Same Racer. Download from the App Store and Google Play. Powered by Bluebet. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com. No, Smithy, he's been in Australia calling the cricket for Sky and the man that has been uh, here calling the cricket for SENZ, joins us now. Uh, you might recognise this voice from the Saturday session as well. Uh, Daniel McCarty, good morning to you, sir. Good dog. Another treat to hear you. How are you? I'm good, thanks, mate. I'm good. Uh, disappointing Chapel Hadley series, wasn't it? I mean, uh, what did we have? The Aussies at 5 for 44 and 5 for 54 and just didn't put the foot on the throat. I'm not sure if disappointing is the right word I would use. I'd probably go for something a little bit stronger. Like, there's no shame in losing a one-day series to Australia, in Australia, but just the fact that New Zealand were well and truly in those games, if not in dominant positions throughout uh, all three. You, you look back to the first innings of uh, the first game when uh, New Zealand were 170-odd for the loss of three, 53 for six in that followed over the last nine overs of the innings to take them to probably a slightly below par score rather than a winning total. They had Australia's top order all at sea uh, in that run chase, 150 runs then. Um, you know, I don't really need to labour the point of that second game. The batting performance just wasn't up to it. And, and last evening, 49 without loss. And then just unfortunately for them, that sort of self-inflicted wound, they were... There were too many soft dismissals. I can't remember too many, um, you know, great balls that uh, dismissed New Zealand batsmen last night uh, and New Zealand has melted away under the pressure and those, those key, key moments. You have to be, and I'll use what Grant Elliott described throughout the series, you need to be relentless in Australia. You need to be able to front up to that pressure. And unfortunately, New Zealanders have not overcome what I think is, is quite clearly a, a mental hurdle playing in Australia. That's 10 one-day internationals and counting. It, that's just not good enough for a side that clearly has the talent. It does have the talent, mate. I mean, we've, see, we've seen it. Our opponents in this series have won at three zip and they've sacked their captain because he's not scoring runs with the bat. The Australians are ruthless when it comes to that sort of mm-hmm. stuff. They're a winning team. They demand performances. We could do it with a bit more of that back here, couldn't we? It feels like we've... Well, we're the nice guys of international cricket. When Brendan was at the helm, we did have a ruthless streak, but that feels like it's gone and we've got all the cutting edge of a marshmallow at the moment. <laughs> yeah. yeah not, what's it, 2009, February 2009, New Zealand last tasted success in Australia in any form of the game. Uh, 10 one-day internationals. Uh, and if you're good enough to get to 170 on for three and have the Australians five down for, what was it, 44 and 55 in two games, you know, um, you, you've got to be ruthless. But you have, and I know it's really hard for us to say this, 
uh, Ricardo, but you have to admire Australia's ability to fight back. Mm. Um, when their back's against the wall, they, they always seemingly come up with something. We described it in commentary when they have their backs up against the wall. You've got to drive the Mack truck into them. You've got to drive them into the wall, don't you? So they can't get out. So um, hugely frustrating. Here's the summary of the series. New Zealand's top scorer in an individual innings was uh, Glenn Phillips with 47. New Zealand did not score over 50 uh, throughout that series. Australia had five scores over 50, including 200s. Uh, that, that's the difference, isn't it? So um, uh, credit to the Australians on, the, on that front. New Zealand's batting just not up to it. And you look over the streak of 10 losses to Australia and Australia. I was counting the numbers last night, uh, Ricardo. Uh, Australia's had 24 innings of 50 or more, including 400s. New Zealand's had seven in that time. So the efforts of Trent Bolt, um, he was my man of the series. Mm. Ten wickets, an average of ten. He was extraordinary. Um, and, and just unfortunately, the, the top order just weren't able to, uh, to take them deep enough to win games of cricket. What did you make of um, Kane Williamson's captaincy? Um, I thought, you know, particularly like the first game, it felt like they were bowling to predetermined plan. Okay, after this many, we take these guys off, we put these guys on. Um, it didn't take anything into account in terms of what the ball was doing or how the bowlers were going. It, it felt like captaincy by numbers in a way. Yeah, I, I felt that was certainly the case in the first game. A look at the Trent Bolt spell where he's only bowled five overs. He was unplayable. The right-handers were having an utterly torrid time. I, I felt like bowling maybe him six or seven there uh, was the key. I, I felt they just allowed the likes of Green and Kerry to get too many singles and, and get some momentum into the innings. I'll give them credit, they adjusted for game number two um, and actually were a little bit more ruthless with regards to going to these frontline bowlers and that left them a little bit exposed towards the death and Australia were good enough. Um, What, 78 runs combined between numbers 9, 10 and 11. Still, that's too many, isn't it? That's too many. So it it made some adjustments there. Uh, But but I felt um, yesterday it it wasn't so much about the captaincy. Uh, Lubbershane and Smith just... just read those conditions so well. What were Australia, 29 for two after mm-hmm. 15 overs? Yep. Uh, the Australian fans were giving Kane Williamson a lot of grief for being blocker Williamson, but, uh, but, but what, what the Australians did is, is they negotiated that tough period, and then they're savage enough to kick on. Um, New Ze- you look at that New Zealand scorecard, I don't think there's a more frustrating sight is there, uh, Ricardo, in cricket when you have scores of 35, 21, 27, 10, 18, 16... 47, 36, 30. There's just too many starts and not going on. We know, we know one day cricket is about um, you know, 80 runs. So, yeah, I, I don't think Williamson's captaincy was perfect. I, I'm more concerned about his batting and how much he's enjoying the game. He doesn't look like he's having a great old time. Uh, hopefully he can get back to scoring runs because uh, he's a key part. So, you know, captaincy probably could have been sharper, but it still comes down to the individuals uh, with the bat, in my opinion. Yeah, and I mean, I think part of that too, I mean, like we saw with the Aussies with Aaron Finch, I'll you know, remind you of that again, because uh, they were completely ruthless with that. But I do wonder how he's going with that elbow injury. I, I heard somebody talking about mm-hmm. the way he is playing and that, you know, pre-injury, he would get his elbow really, really high so he could play the ball late, pretty much right under his eyes a lot of the time. But he's not able to do that now, so he's having to play further away from his body. That's giving him trouble, and that's also affecting his ability to make shots. Um, I don't know if you've got any take on that or, or how you saw him batting in this series. You know, it's hard to get into his mind and his body and actually feel the impacts of it. Uh, he certainly doesn't appear that the free-flowing uh, player and 
I, I just felt he allowed the Australians maybe to to dictate terms a little bit too much. I, I'm thinking of, of the top score of 17 off 50 odd balls, I think it was. Abbott hitting that hard length. He, he never sort of used the crease going forward, going back. So, I, I think the elbow is going to be a persistent problem for him. Uh, we, we hope it doesn't sort of uh, truncate that career of his, but he's just a, a, he's a wonderful player and he will get back to his best, but uh, um, he, he just looks just a little bit off the pace at the moment, but he certainly wasn't the, o- the only uh, batsman who sort of struggled. Tom Latham's another one. They'll probably stick with him. I, I think that's fair enough. He's a, he's a fine player of spin and with a World Cup in India, I think he will be a key contributor. Uh, Devin, we know Devin Conway's got the talent. Um, Finn Allen looked very, very optimistic. Uh, looked like quite a prospect, didn't he, last night? I know Australian colleagues were quite enamoured with his uh, sort of assertiveness um, and, and striking ability. Uh, his innings was all too short, just 35 off 38. Uh, I think a bigger question is where does, where does Martin Guptill fit in all of this? Was this was this a chance to give Finn Allen just a go with the idea maybe Conway could bat in the middle order? Um, or, or is Guptill now sort of fighting for his place? That, these are some sort of questions I've been left with at the end of the series. Yeah. That, though, I'm not sure I know the answer. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, I've, I've brought up Kane's captaincy. We've talked about his, his elbow injury, and I don't mean to keep harping on it about this, but in this form of the game, I know we have a World Cup coming up, but with everything, he, all the commitments he has with IPL, etc., and being the test captain, you know, is it something that Ted should be having to talk to him about and saying, mate, you know, why don't you step away from this? We can give you a break here. We can we can uh, blood a new captain, and whether it be Tom Latham or whoever, we've got these players coming through, and uh, and, and it gives him some time away from the game and, and clears up his schedule a wee bit. Yeah, well, he's missed a lot of games due to injury, which um, has allowed the, the opportunity for the likes of Saudi to captain in T20, Latham in the one-day uh, environment. But it is a big burden, isn't it, uh, Ricardo? And I, I've been talking about this for four or five years. Can you ask one man to, to carry the load of all three? Australia have split their captaincy for a long time, heck. Uh, they've split their coaching setups at times throughout. So you've got a lot of power uh, sitting in the lap of two people, uh, the captain and the coach. The selectors, Gavin Larson, helped them select the side. But in tour, those two uh, have such an important role, don't they, in conjuring their sides um, I don't think there's selections, less so in this series. When I look at the Test Series in England, some of those selections, you know, Michael Bracewell being cast as a frontline spinner still has me scratching my head. So yeah, I think it's certainly worth considering, um, you know, easing that burden on a guy who is still, you know, I know he's in his 30s, but he's still relatively young, and surely the priority is to see Cade Williamson uh, scoring as many majestic runs as possible because he is truly a world-class player and we haven't, haven't always been able to breed such players. Uh, here's a question for you, Daniel. What is Daryl Mitchell? I, assume, I thought he was an all-rounder, but he's only bowled two overs in this entire series. Why do you think Kane's been reluctant to bowl him or is, is, is that something else? Yeah, I was a little bit baffled too, mainly due to the conditions, especially in that, that second game. Uh, maybe also at times during the first game, I thought they would give him a go. Uh, it was such a slow track. He's the slower of, of the uh, the seam options, you know, low 120s, mid-120s. Jimmy Neesham was, was far more preferred. Uh, Neesham, they, they had to go back to late. They had to go back to, you know, one of uh, Neesham and... Uh, or Mitchell for that death over as they again tried to get their frontline bowlers out of the way early. And, uh, you know, Nishan had a bit of a rough day, and I think the Australians really targeted him as they got adjusted. So, um, Daryl Mitchell, I, 
I think they've got to have a little bit more faith in throwing him the ball. Um, and if you can do that, if he can make a, a decent first of it, uh, Ricardo, that does allow you a little bit more flexibility um, with regard to maybe dropping Devin Conway down and playing Allen and Guptill. Mm. Uh, I, I do like the specialists in one-day cricket. I, I think Australia fell into a better balanced side due to the, uh, the body cramps of Cameron Green. Abbott coming in as a, a frontline third seamer, I, I just think made them a, a far tougher proposition with uh, Paul. He was incredible, wasn't he? He's done seven maidens in about 14 overs in that series. Uh, I don't know where that came from, and, and New Zealand just weren't able to, to get to him. So, uh, yeah, the, always the balance of a one-day side um, uh, is such a tough one for teams, that, and maybe New Zealand need to consider theirs. Yeah, uh, I mean, the thing that I, I talked about it last week, I don't know if you caught it, but we were talking about how it's a, it almost seems a mentality thing, you know, 2009, so it's not just this group of players, not just this coach. Um, I suggested maybe Gilbert and Oka needs a, a phone call. It's a mentality thing. I mean, how do we get over that? It's, it's, it's much like teams coming to Eden Park to play the All Blacks. Yeah, yeah, that, that's fair, and I don't think you want to, Overact and throw the baby out with the bathwater, Ricardo. You know, prior to this series, New Zealand won 15 of 17 one-day internationals. Yes, against lesser opposition, but uh, they've swept aside a lot of sides. Um, you know, even, you know, we, we've seen what they did at the 2019 World Cup, the 2015. They have been an excellent one-day international side. But I'm sorry, I, and I'm sure this is echoed by New Ze- a lot of New Zealand fans. It's growing tiresome and cumbersome that. New Zealand go to Australia, don't play to their best, and we have to listen to Australian fans sort of look down their noses at us. When we know the truth that the talent's there, it has to be upstairs. Um, it is it is a cruel place to play cricket. It's not easy. I'm not trying to, you know, diminish how, how difficult it is to play over there, but, but it, it does seem quite obvious to me that New Zealand have a bit of a mental block. And, heck, they, their first game at the T20 World Cup in Australia is against Australia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll see, we'll see what happens when we get there, mate. We'll see what happens when we get there. Um, <laughs> it's, it's all to do for Gary Stead and co. And, yeah, some of the selections were interesting too. I mean, I know that third Zimbabwe game was probably after they'd already announced the squad. But when you see a leg spinner... Um, you know, take five for ten and three overs against the Aussies, and we know that Australia have struggled against leg spin previously. Why do we have three offies in the squad, and if Sodi left sitting at home, do you reckon? Well, if Sodi's a specialist spinner, um, doesn't add much with the bat, not the best in the field. I, I think Santner, as far as if you go him head to head, Santner's average is exactly the same with a far better economy rate, better with the bat better in the field. So I understand why Santner gets the nod. And the other two are sort of what I describe Bob each way cricketers. Um, hitters, uh, although I, I thought Phillips looked good, bar the run out. What a calamitous run out of the captain that was. Uh, I wonder if he made any eye contact with the skipper when he got back in the shed. But, but that's to my point about specialists. Um, you know, if conditions suit, which they will in India... I think Asodi's um, certainly in the mix, uh, you know, for the biggest tournament on the rise in, in around about a year's time. Uh, the question begs, though, who will be opening the bowling for New Zealand? Is Trent Bolt going to be there? Have we seen the last of Trent Bolt on one day international cricket? We know there's no certainty, and boy, if if that was a swan song, it was just uh, brilliant. What an amazing bowler he is! His one day record is sparkling, averaging in the mid twenties, economy under five. 
Gee, he leaves a frighteningly big hole if that is indeed it for Trent Bolt. One, um, New Zealand won't be able to replace like for like, but uh, they'll need to find a way. Um, where would New Zealand have been without Trent Bolt in this series? That's a great question. Miles off. Great question. Yeah, he was he was superb. Head and shoulders, mate. I'll tell you, the Phillips run out of Kane did remind me of both of running out boycott. And at the, at the time, I was like, thank God he's out. Well done, Glenn Phillips. That was my initial reaction. <laughs> yeah, it was. Well, Kane, Kane Williamson led New Zealand's run scorers throughout the series. But, you know, the strike rate was under 50. Mm. He doesn't need me to tell him how to bat. And those numbers aren't good enough. But, yeah, he's out of sorts at the moment. And, uh, you know, against such a disciplined Australian bowling attack, um, we, just did, uh, we just didn't have the answers. But, you know, I look back at that series, Ricardo, it's not like New Zealand have been, you know, the top order's been knocked over in all three games. Guys have got in. You've just got to be relentless. Don't give these suckers a chance because, you know, they're, they're too good to turn it down. And now we have to listen to the Australians crowing. What, for another six years? When do we play the next Chevel Hadley? 2029? Yeah. Something like that. Something yeah. like that. Yeah. You talk about an opportunity missed because this series, it's just hard to imagine it getting back into the international calendar with any regularity, which is a disappointment from my perspective. But the Australian cricket fans and their fan base are probably thinking, eh, we beat them every time over there. They, they constantly forget, though, that they struggle on our shores. That is true. That is true. Daniel, hey, thanks very much for coming on, mate. Uh, good to chat and uh, nice work on that uh, series here on SCNZ, mate. Enjoyed your work. Thanks, Ricardo. Take it easy, everyone. Life's busy. Take this deck. There's heaps to do on it, like um, polishing off this wine. That's tough. Life's pretty good with a Trex deck. Composite decking with no hard maintenance. Trex, the world's number one decking brand.